that. Well, I want to start by asking you all a question. What is the core of your prayer life? Ask another way, what is the core reason why you pray? What is the core reason, the core desire of your heart for why you get up in the morning and kneel before the Father, or pray last thing at night, or whatever you do? What is that core reason behind your prayers? Keep that question in your mind as we work through. Take a look at this building. A lot of modern, uh, sort of taller buildings now are being made in this way. They have a concrete core centre, which is made before anything else is added around the building. And this core concrete centre is strong, it has incredibly deep foundations, and everything that is, goes on around the building, every floor, every level, everything is attached to this core. The core is what holds the building together, and the floors are attached to it and almost hang off it. So the core has got to be strong. It has got to be rigid, it cannot waver, it cannot move. So I wonder, like that core there, what is the core of your prayer life? The thing that everything else hangs off. Richard Foster, in his book on prayer, he's an author, uh, categorises prayer in 21 different ways. I am going to sort of example five ways, just for ease of time, so we can actually end the service this morning. Number one, is the core reason why you pray to intercede. Intercede for nations, intercede for where justice is not being carried out, intercede on behalf of people. Secondly, is the core reason why you pray to give praise and adoration to our Father? <coughs> Thirdly, is the core reason why you pray to petition God for things for yourself and for your loved ones, your friends and your families and your neighbours? Fourthly, is it to be intimate with God and dwell in his presence? Fifthly, is it to declare a blessing over people, nations, lands, communities, and so on? I wonder if now you ask yourself, out of those five, and I say that list is not exhaustive because there's 21 ways this guy says we can pray. I wonder out those five, which you would put at the moment at the core of your prayer life, the thing that everything else hangs off. Now please, throughout this talk, a bit of a caveat, don't hear that one of these is better or worse than any of the others. They are all biblical, we are all called to pray in those five ways. But I just wonder today, for our lives, for us as a church, whether one in particular 
it's really helpful and profitable to be at our core. The kind of prayer that everything else hangs upon. The thing that cannot be shaken. The thing that is grounded in a solid foundation. Let me read you um, some scripture. We will touch on Psalm 84, but we'll read a few various different scriptures before we do. This is Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 6. And so first glance has nothing to do with prayer particularly, but I'll explain why I'm saying this in a moment. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Jesus reiterates this commandment when one of the teachers of the law asks him, this is Mark uh, chapter 12, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, Jesus adds in, all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The foundation of our faith, and I would suggest our prayer, is to love God with all our being. All our heart, soul, mind and strength. That encompasses the whole of us. We are called to love God. We are called to be intimate with God. We are called to dwell with God. We see Jesus' example such love throughout the Gospels. Take the example when Jesus is 12 and Mary and Joseph, his earthly parents, are looking for him. They've lost him. They are trying to find him. They cannot find him anywhere. They end up going to the temple and they see Jesus there. And you can imagine them as parents exasperating. Jesus, why did you go off? Why did you walk off? We've been looking for you. And I just love this response. Would I be than in my father's house? Where else would I be than dwelling in the temple? I wonder if Jesus at 12 understood sarcasm in the bit. <laughs> what about another example? When Jesus is about to start his public ministry, he gets baptized by John the Baptist. Just See the intimacy and love between Jesus and the Father and the Father and Jesus here. This is Matthew 3, 16 and onwards. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened and saw, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and settle on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dear loved son, 
who brings me great joy. This is my dearly beloved son, who brings me great joy. I pray that when I arrive with God, that he says to me, I'm proud of you. You bring me great joy. I pray that I love God so much, that I dwell in his presence so much, that I have such intimacy with God, that when I arrive, he says, I'm proud of you. Simon, I am proud of you. Now you may be thinking, how can we participate in that relationship, that intimacy that God has with his son. Because ontologically, they are God, they are one, yet three persons at the same time, and we are humans here on this earth. I'm going to read this whole passage to you, so you'll have to look it up yourself. This is 2 Peter chapter 1. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by evil desires. We are called in Deuteronomy, seconded by Christ, to love God with our whole being. We see Jesus be so intimate with his Father, dwelling in his presence, and God saying, I am proud of you. And we mere humans, yet <coughs> children of God, could share in the divine nature, could share in that intimate relationship, can share in the love that God has with his Son. I wonder if it is already obvious which one of those five I think should be in our core intercession Praise and adoration. Petition. Dwelling in the intimacy of the Father. Or seeking blessing. It is that fearful. I am so convinced that the core root, the core foundation of our prayer life must be to dwell in the intimacy of the Father. But if you're not convinced, let me try and convince you further. Imagine we put intercession at the core of our prayer life. And everything else sort of stands beyond it. Intercession is at the core. So ever since I've become a Christian, I have prayed to God that I see revival in the town that I've been living in. So now, I am seeking and praying on my knees, Lord, send revival here to Southport. I want to see every single person in Southport saved in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. <coughs> to my worldly perception, the other towns that I have lived in within the UK have yet to see revival. Even though I have prayed so hard that God will bring revival to those places. Now, what could happen to my prayer, to my faith, if intercession is at the core? Lord, I'm seeking revival here in Southport, but yet, seemingly to our eyes and ears, that has yet to be answered. 
when I was living in Nottingham and I was living in Liverpool, revival has yet to break out in those places. So it's my knowledge anyway. Do I therefore think, Lord, are you there? Lord, do you not have as much heart for Liverpool, Nottingham, Southport as I do? Maybe I start to believe the lie, and it is a lie because it tells us in Scripture that God does hear us, but maybe God isn't actually hearing my prayer. If intercession is at the core of my prayer life, and when I intercede it does not seem to happen, I could be really robbed. I could be really shaken. Yet, what I want to suggest is that if the core of our prayer is a love of the Father, knowing the Father loves us abundantly, more than we can ever possibly realise, that we dwell in his house and in his presence, that will never, ever get shaken or robbed, because that is the truth, and that is a fact. And that prayer can never be unanswered or answered because it is there and it is true. And if our outer rings are some of those other things that I've suggested, if some of our prayers don't seem to be answered in the way that we would hope, our core is not shaken. It is only those outer rings that might be. I'm skipping slightly just for time, Margaret. Can you go to slide 10, please? And I have friends who has chronic pain in his ankle. He had an accident a few years ago, many years ago actually, and he ruptured his tendons, his muscles, and did damage to his bone in his ankle. And he is in chronic pain on a daily basis. A few years ago, he put a kind of electronic device in his back, which is aimed at sort of masking the connections between his brain and his ankle to sort of Stop him feeling it works a little, but not really. I have prayed so hard for him that his ankle is restored. That those tendons, those muscles, those bones are all knitted back together so that he is fully and utterly healed. I think, if I remember correctly, this happened about 15 years ago. And the Lord, to our earthly perception, has yet to grant that request. If my friend puts petition at the core reason why he gets up in the morning and prays, and he is on his knees praying to God, asking that he may be healed, and every single day for 15 years that has yet to happen, what do you think that can do to someone? What do you think that can do to someone's faith, their prayer, their hearts, their hearts? Believe truly that he could be really shaken by that. Yet the most incredible thing about my friend is he has one of the deepest, solid, 
grounded, foundational faiths in the one that he knows loves him and the one that he knows him. And do you know why? Because at the core of his faith, at the core of his prayer life, he is dwelling with his heavenly dad, loving him and experiences his love, which he knows will never fail. He knows we'll be there for eternity. As you may have gathered, I have done something to my shoulder. It was only a few weeks ago. I can't tell you how frustrated I am at God that A, it happened, B, that I'm still in a sling. Yet this guy has been in pain for 15 years and he has never been shaken by Yes, I've been a little bit shaken by this. <laughs> a little bit annoyed at God for not doing the miraculous straight away and popping my shoulder back into his socket. His core is centred on a love for God. My prayer, my prayer today, is that we all seek the Lord and call upon Him to enable our core, our roots to be grounded in Him and His love. Let's turn to the reading that we heard read to us before, Psalm 84. I'm just going to read a few verses out of that. <coughs> How lovely is your dwelling place. Verse 2. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, body and soul. Verse 4. What joy for those who can live in your house. What joy for those who can live and dwell in your house. And then verse 10. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Do we long to dwell in the house of the Lord? Do we long to put the centre of our faith, the centre of our prayer life, to be the intimate loving him, the spirit of his love. Briefly, so now I've spoken for a while. I wonder though how we do this. Let's turn to the example of Christ. This is two verses in Luke, one in five and one in Luke six. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And this is six, uh, verse 12. One day, soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prays to God all night. Now, the passage does not tell us how, if we want to categorise it as those five times, how Jesus was praying to his Father. If you would allow me some creative licence, I truly believe that Jesus, when he went up on that mountain to pray all night, I imagine it like he was sitting at the dinner table with his dad. 
just being with him. Just chatting to him about the normal things. God the Father saying to his son, Son, I'm proud of what you're doing. Keep going. I am so proud of you and I love you. Now clearly, and afterwards, please feel free to uh, debate in a Christian way with me. It might be that Jesus spent all night in intercession. It might be that Jesus spent all night praising and adoring his dad. It might be that Jesus spent all night petitioning for something or seeking blessing for something. But truly, I just believe that Jesus is there like, Lord, Dad, let me spend time with you because I love you. I want to build relationships. Real challenge for us today, I think. Let me read you one last verse of scripture, which is the scripture I read at the start of worship. Psalm 27, verse 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating. and 